0: Good morning. Wow, how do I say this without embarrassment? We are back. <laughs> That's so crazy. I uh, I apologize. This is bedtime stories with Doctor Dean. I'm Dean Larrett. and uh, yeah, I owe I owe quite a few people an apology because uh, I do get. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to act like. Uh, I have the amount of viewers as Joe Rogan or uh, Joey Diaz or some of the other heavy hitters out there in the world of podcasting. But I have gotten like six or seven DMs, the uh, direct messages, uh of, hey man, you are gonna do another uh podcast? Uh I'm over in Australia, I'm over in the United Kingdom, whatever, blah blah blah. We really like what you you know, your stuff. So um yeah, I haven't done an episode uh since Uh, March 11th, and it is Tuesday, May 14th, and I am going to try so hard, almost make a promise that this is not going to happen anymore, that I am going to try and bring you content uh, on a weekly basis or uh, maybe every two weeks. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, I'll explain that in a minute as to uh, the dynamics behind that. So last that we left off, Um, was I was getting ready to go to Brody Stevens, Stephen Brody Stevens, the uh, wonderful comedian that left us way too soon on February 22nd of this year. And uh, I was getting ready to inform my viewers uh, what the tribute night, the memorial service was like. And we'll touch upon that real quickly now. And then we'll get into some other stuff and uh, start getting you back on track. And I, I, I can't thank you enough, the people that are, 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 are still listening and still hanging on. Uh, I figured by now most of you would be like, nah, eh, this guy's not into it. Uh, but I'll explain all that as we go on. I'll explain that. So uh, Tuesday night, I think it was Tuesday, March 12th. Yeah, Tuesday, March 12th, 2019, I went to the uh, Comedy Store. I'll make this sort of brief. It's uh, it's something that you viewers can type into uh, YouTube, and you can uh, watch the uh, the Evening at the Comedy Store uh, tribute to Brody Stevens. And if I remember correctly, the whole thing is on there. So you can watch a really interesting uh Very sad, comical, uh, thought-provoking evening um, directed towards Brody Stevens and uh, I guess even directed towards the people that were involved in his life. And it was just a wonderful evening, a wonderful way to say goodbye. And um, it was a a nice... uh, Uh, A nice evening, Uh, obviously uh, not the right uh, circumstances for us to all be gathered there, but it was nice to run into some friends in the comedy world. It was nice to, uh, I got a chance to speak to uh, Brody Stevens' mom and uh, explain how I knew him. And uh, so uh, it it was just an interesting evening and uh, star-studded, a lot of heavy hitters there a lot of people that were uh, that admired Brody and um, uh, we're going to miss him and uh, it's wow I can't believe it's uh, February March April. it's going to be 3 months May 22nd it's just just amazing how how fast uh, the time goes just amazing so that is that there's not much more I can say about that except it was a a, a very nice very well class classy a way of, of saying goodbye and and uh, uh, for him to move to his next, uh, his passing, his wherever, wherever, wherever the soul and the body goes uh, for him to do and for us to move forward in our lives uh, while we're here. And uh, that's really all I want to say about that. Um, I guess I just hit a little bit of a brick wall with work and practice, uh, and coming home at night and writing notes for patients that needed notes done for uh, legal cases and all those things, and I guess I I just lost and writing stand up and uh, and performing stand up and maybe catching up on old movies that I was I got into. Well, I'll talk about that in a second, and um, it was just one of those things that I. Each night would go by, and I just wouldn't. Uh, I just I wouldn't do a podcast. And my good buddy Darren Carter, who has the Pocket Party podcast that I've been on many times, and you can listen to me on one of his latest podcasts. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, we did one, and that's a pretty funny episode. Uh, you might want to check that out as well. Pocket Party podcast with Darren Carter, and um, so I just hit a hit a hit a wall where. And I went through a couple of things where I was like, what's my end game with a podcast? Well, I don't know. I really didn't know what my purpose was. Uh, why am I doing this? Uh, what does it lead to? Um, I, I you know, I did most of my therapy years ago uh, on the couch with a therapist, so I'm pretty cleared out. My head is relatively cleared out on certain things that I went through, uh, childhood traumas or whatever. Uh, so I'm pretty cleared out. I'm pretty evenly keeled. Um, why do I need to do this? Uh, that kind of thing. It was one of those. So I went through a lot of that, and uh, people like Darren were like, "You have to. You're you're funny, and you're a good talker, and you 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 give a good interview, even though <laughs> even though you're talking to yourself." But um, uh, my goal once i bring you people up to speed as to who i am and why you should be slightly interested in me cuz you know i'm pretty humble i i don't really feel right now that unless i give you my sort of cliff notes history um I, I think it would be narcissistic and selfish of me to think that you know that i would have an audience so but i'm very surprised that my numbers uh on this last podcast are still escalating which I think is just is just amazing and and I do thank you people for writing those uh DMs saying hey man we we like what you're doing can can you give us more content so I'm going to do my best on that but I do admit that I did hit a little bit of a brick wall and um and I'm happy to be back doing this and uh, the goal of course is once I bring you up to speed and you now know who I am in a cliff notes version Uh, Obviously, I don't share every little thing, but in a cliff notes version, I would uh, that my goal is to have guests on. My goal is to uh, uh, do a podcast as I'm uh, maybe hiking in Runyon Canyon, Uh, little things like that. So uh, there is a somewhat of a goal, but like I said, uh, uh, some of those conversations with Darren and a few other comedians. I guess are the things that steered me back uh, into into wanting to do this again. So, because I really was at the point where I was like, "Hmm, I don't know if I'm going to be a touring comedian. Uh, I don't know. So, what's what's my end game?" But I do know that if I did have the amount of viewers uh, that Joe Rogan has, and, and by the way, that's a, that's a wonderful show. Joe has an amazing show. He's just an amazing host uh, on his podcast. I think it's the Joe Rogan Experience. It's really excellent. Excellent. I listen to it all the time on a treadmill. And um, uh, Joey Diaz has a great uh, uh, podcast, and my friend Earl Skakel and Darren Carter. There's just some really good podcasting out there. But those are people that are getting enough views where they can go, Cleveland, I'm coming to Cleveland. And then the next uh, thing you know, uh, Ticketmaster sells out You know, a 1,200-seater or a 1,500-seater. So there's just those thoughts in my head. And my theory is that, well, maybe if I built it up and by some fluke it built up, maybe I would be able to come to uh, Cleveland. No, <laughs> that is my goal. My goal is Cleveland. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. So uh, now I'm just, you know, just putting it out there and we'll see what the universe has in, uh, has in store um, and that's really about it with that so we covered a little bit uh, about Brody Stevens thing and like I said just type that in uh, Brody Stevens Tribute Memorial uh, March 12th 2019 and you'll see it'll be about four hours uh, of YouTube uh, video and so just skim through it and, um, and it's, it's, it's a really, it's a really, uh, a very, very, uh, a nice, uh, evening, um, uh, barring the circumstances, obviously, but, uh, uh, the best possible, uh, way of, of sending him off. So, um, so that's it with that. I covered a little bit as to my absence for the last two months and, um, uh we got some great playoff games in the nba i don't know uh those of you who watch the nba but got some really good games coming and uh i, I just i i watched two game sevens last night um toronto raptors against the uh, philadelphia 76ers and Kawhi leonard hits this unbelievable pinball shot at the end with you know less than two tenths of a second to to go and uh eliminated Philadelphia just like that. It's just, just amazing, just amazing. Um, always reminds me, whenever I see a guy hit a shot in the NBA, it always reminds me of uh, in 1980, in the summer of 1980, which we will talk about, uh, I hit a uh, 35 to 40-foot, almost half-court shot with no time on the clock, Uh to win a basketball game in uh, uh, Nerf basketball. No, in a a camp game. I'll explain all that later on because we're actually getting up. We're actually pretty much up to 1980, and we're going to talk about Mark and all that other stuff. But I hit a a buzzer beater um, uh, from about 35 to 40 feet. Uh, By the way, I was completely stoned. I was stoned the whole game. I scored about 35 points uh I was at a sleepaway camp in upstate New York which we'll talk about and um we played an intercamp game and we were down by one point and I hit a 19.8, uh, and hit a f- literally about 37 footer uh which I'll never forget with three guys in my face I I just uh the long jump shot and completely stoned by the way completely stoned and um And we won the game. And even when we won, I had no clue that we had won when everybody was like uh, cheering me and putting me on their shoulders. I was like, that's overtime, right? And they're like, no, you idiot. You won the game. And I was like, oh, wow. I was was a stoner, which you guys uh, know a little bit. Um, But, okay, so let's get to where we were. Um, uh, Let's see. Uh, I left you guys off uh, in January of 1980, I've done a little bit of research before I did this, uh, podcast tonight, this morning, I should say, uh, I did a little bit of my own research to catch up on, uh, what I spoke about two months ago. I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to know what, where am I at and what have I told you guys? So I listened to the last two podcasts and I left off talking about, um, Oh, by the way, in the NBA, there's another playoff thing I wanted to tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's right. We spoke about Toronto and Philadelphia. Uh, The next series, I think, is going to be amazing also. Another crazy win. Portland goes into Denver. And I told all my uh, friends and people at Whole Foods that night, you know, don't tell me the score. I don't want to know. I'm taping it. I'm DVRing it, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and they would. say, "Well, who do you like?" And I said, "Well, I think Toronto's going to beat Philly at home, and I think uh, Port- Denver will beat Portland, but I want Portland to win." I'm a Damian Lillard fan and uh, a McCollum fan, and um, so I said, "It's too bad. They're probably going to lose at home. Then uh, you know, Denver's going to probably beat them." And sure enough, they—they they, I don't know—I don't know how they won that game, but that's going to be an amazing series. Uh, Golden State, another great game. Golden State going into Houston without Kevin Durant, and they—they they beat uh, uh, the Houston Rockets. I, I don't understand how that happens. Home team, uh, James Harden, all these other players, Chris Paul, and and Golden State goes in, and uh, Steve Curry gets uh, Steph Curry, Steve Steve Curry, Steph Curry gets uh, gets hot in the second half and they uh they go in uh and 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 beat them uh on the road. Uh, unbelievable without Kevin Durant. Uh just unbelievable. So that's another thing. So my opinion, we've got Golden State against Milwaukee against uh uh Golden State plays Portland. Uh, I'd love to see Portland, but I don't know how that's going to happen, man. I just don't understand how how Golden State's going to lose that to Portland. I don't know. I would love Portland only because it would be nice to see another team. And I think Damian Lillard's a class act, and I think uh, it would be nice to see him. But do I think it's going to happen? Nah. If somebody put a gun to my head and said make a bet, I would, I'd have to say Golden State. But we'll see. No, you know Kevin Durant. I, I, nobody on the planet has more calf strains than Dean Larratt, than Dr. Dean. I can tell you that much. You guys don't know anything about me, but I can promise you that much. Nobody's had more problems with their calves than Dr. Dean. So I do know what Kevin Durant is going through, and um, I have blown my calves out more times than I'm uh, knocking wood that I haven't done it in. Uh, in the last uh, six months. That's how often it happens. So um, other than that, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess they got a chance if Kevin Durant misses one or two games because this starts tomorrow. And I know a little bit about this, A, from being a doctor, B, from studying the anatomy of the calf and why it blows out and all this other stuff. And um, I would not expect to see Kevin Durant playing today on Tuesday. Uh, the fourteenth of May. Uh, I don't I don't think he'll make this game. So you never know. This 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 is a very level playing field without Kevin Durant. Uh, Portland against Golden State without Kevin Durant. If they could get if Portland can get lucky without two get, with two games without Kevin Durant, they got a shot. They got a shot at taking those two games. It's gonna be very interesting. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. And then Milwaukee's gonna play Milwaukee Bucks are gonna play the um, Toronto Raptors. I personally would love to see Milwaukee. Milwaukee won over us uh, one sixty or sixty one games this year. Milwaukee's going to be tough to beat. I'm happy for um, uh, Giannis uh, Anarakumba whatever his name, last name is the the Greek freak that they call him. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see. This 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 that's going to be a great uh, a great uh, uh, game. Uh, what do you call it? Series. Okay. So. I have finished, I spoke about the NBA. Um, happy belated Mother's Day to the mothers out there. And uh, uh, and I just had a birthday. I might as well tell you, I just had a birthday, 55th birthday on uh, Saturday, Mother's Day, May 12th. Sunday, Mother's Day, May 12th. And that was really nice. And uh, my girlfriend took me out uh, uh, on Saturday night. And we just laughed our asses off at this restaurant in Studio City. And uh, we had a great time. And what else? And uh, so, yeah, 55. Uh, and I just can't believe it. I cannot believe it. And then I went at 2.30 in the morning. Darren Carter and I uh, met for, uh, for late, uh, early breakfast. 2.30 in the morning, late night breakfast, whatever you call it. Um, my girlfriend had gone home and uh, uh, Darren and I had breakfast at 2.30, and I actually got the fit. We went to Bob's Big Boys in, in Toluca Lake, California, and uh, I actually was eligible for the, uh, for the 55 and over senior special. So I actually got 10 or 15% off the bill for, uh, for being uh, an old man, uh, 55. So isn't that crazy? Well... All right, so getting back, we're at the 19-minute mark. We got 41 minutes to talk, and um, like I said, I'm going to get these out to you a lot more often. <clears throat> Excuse me, and uh, hopefully, I'll stay motivated and all that uh, good stuff. Uh, so, last we left, um, I had discussed with you uh, Saturday Night Live and my love of film, and Rocky changed my life, and. The movie Rocky, and it changed my uh, my uh, desires to uh, be, be get into the entertainment world. It changed my desires to train my body uh, watching Sylvester Stallone uh, do all the training scenes uh, as I said in the last episode that he deserves most of the credit for the fitness craze in in around the world, if you ask me. Um because that's what you did the next day after you saw Rocky, you laced up your sneakers, which at that time weren't even running sneakers, and um you went for a jog because you saw Rocky the night before. So I always said that Stallone deserves the credit for uh for that, uh for starting the fitness craze. Even more than Schwarzenegger. Uh, I I agree. That I, I believe. Um So that's where my head is at at this time, 1980, and then all of a sudden, I uh, I meet this guy, uh, Mark. uh, I won't say his last name yet. I am planning on. I did leave a a message with his uh, his wife. Uh, Mark is gone now, and uh, I want to know if it's okay for me to use his name, his last name, and. I have to, uh, speak with her about that. I definitely want to see if I can use his name for, uh, throughout the, uh, uh, any other time I, I speak about him. So, um, at that point in my life, uh, I went to Dan's house, uh, and he was with my buddy Lenny and, uh, Dan and Lenny were hanging out and I told them, let's, uh, Let's go. Uh, you know, you gotta go. Come with me. Come with me outside. There's a guy in the car. He drove. He drove me home. I'm really stoned right now. He got me really high on some really good pot, and um, I, uh, I, you gotta come out with me. And this is January of 1980. I can't believe we're pushing 40 years on this. That's just mind boggling. And um, we uh, we get into the car and i introduce him to to my friends and vice versa and we end up we were, i remember i was scared uh, cuz at the time there was uh that serial murderer john wayne gacy and uh, he had uh, killed 31 uh boys and i think a couple of young men uh in his uh in uh, illinois chicago i think uh and buried them in his attic in his crawl space uh um, so it was a crazy story because, uh, my friend Mark and John Wayne Gacy, uh, resembled each other like to a T. It was mind boggling. So, um, I was, I was scared. I didn't really know who this guy was. And, uh, I thank God that, uh, his intentions were, you know, were good and he wasn't a lunatic. Uh, um, so we went into the car and, um, I grew up and across the street from Dan, uh, around the corner, and we were right across the street from Francis Lewis High School in Queens on Utopia Parkway in Queens. And um, on the side street of uh, Francis Lewis High School was a humongous drag strip. It was about probably closing in on a quarter mile, and... Uh, it was just a place that you know boyfriends and girlfriends uh, would go and get stoned and maybe have sex or whatever it, it was just a, a, a drag strip where people would uh, maybe have like uh, you know a boombox and everybody be getting high and drinking and the cops weren't to hip to the area yet so it was sort of hidden and uh sort of sort of hidden um so we instructed Mark, Dan and, and Lenny and I, uh, we said, yeah, let's, uh, let's just, you know, hang, uh, over here, uh, by across the street and, uh, you know, shoot the breeze. I think we had a Frisbee in the car, if I remember correctly. And, and it's remember, it's really cold outside. It's, it's January, 1980. And, um, we, uh, we go to the high school and, uh, we just, you know, start smoking pot with this guy, and uh, he just had—he just had this incredible, incredible pot. <laughs> so much different than the pot that the young kids have today, which is like, you know, take one, you know, uh, drag or hit off of a joint or a pipe, and next thing you know, you're on friggin' Pluto. So it was. Uh, this was just really great weed and I think we even in the freezing cold weather I think we uh, went out we were playing frisbee with this guy who by the way was about 400 about 410 pounds and uh we just had a great time and I think uh, after that we uh like I said we didn't want to go too far with this guy we didn't know I just did not know him and didn't trust him and uh but uh who you know who would have known that 38 and a half years later we'd be great friends and uh which obviously ended in September but uh, so we hung out that night and I think we ended up going to the local 24-hour bake uh, bagel place uh that I believe at the time I was working uh at on Saturday nights and uh, a couple of nights one night during the week Uh, I was making bagels at this Bagel Oasis, which was uh, 24-7 bagels uh, alongside the Long Island Expressway and Utopia Parkway. So after we hung out for an hour, we were very high and we wanted to go get some food, we uh, all went and got some bagels. And I had made this new friend, you know, I had made this, this, I think, I didn't know. Um, And so at the end of the night, you know, he dropped us... uh, he dropped us off. One of the things that was a little weird was when when we dropped us off back at Dan and Dan's house, because uh, we figured we would all hang out and sort of recap the night and like you know what'd you think? What'd you think of this guy? Is it uh, is it safe and all that stuff? Um, I remember asking him. At some point, I remember literally going, uh, "Hey, let me let me ask you a question, man." I had no clue what the answer was going to be. I said, well, "What do you uh, what do you do for uh, you know for a living? What, what, what do you do?" And when he said what he said, I, I just got like chills up my spine. I was I, I was like, "Oh no!" So he says to us, he goes uh, in this very high pitched voice that I had mentioned in a previous podcast. Uh, I work uh, I work over at uh, I work at the post office. I work at the post office. And I uh, on uh, and I said, "Oh, whereabouts?" And he goes, "I work eleven eleven thirty to like eight thirty in the morning, eleven thirty p.m. to eight thirty in the morning, uh, on uh, in Manhattan at a post office." Uh. And I'm like, "Oh my God! Listen to this! He's working the night shift, at a post office." And as soon as he said that, I was like, "I thought to myself, didn't son of Sam back in 1977, David Berkowitz, didn't he work at a post office?" And also the night shift. How come, you know, it's always psychos that work the night shift and they always work at the post office. And I'm thinking to myself, remember, I'm really stoned. And I'm like, you know, bingo, red flag. I was right. We're going to die. Hope he doesn't have power door locks. Let me out right now. I can't breathe. I need air. How are my friends going to get out from the back seat of a two-door car with a man practically taking up the entire front? Uh, I'll run and get help, and then I'm thinking to myself, "Whoa, this is really good pot." And all these things were running through my head at that at that time. I was like, "Did this guy really just say he's a postal worker?" And now I'm going, "Oh my God, he looks like Gacy. He works in the post office." Um, you know, this is this is this is too much. But as I said, um, all those crazy thoughts were going through my slightly probably paranoid head from smoking, uh, from smoking. But, you know, at that time, like I said, Gacy had done this crazy killing spree and it was all over the news. And, uh, that was the first thing I thought about. But while these thoughts were running through my head at light speed, and, uh, I guess the beautiful part was that, uh, that uh, they weren't going through his, his, uh, his head. And, uh, um, I think the only thing or thoughts that he was guilty of was, uh, you know, I could really go for some White Castle's <laughs> hamburgers right now. Uh, I, I I got the feeling after a while that, that I think most of his thoughts were food related, but uh, he turned out to be a uh, a wonderful friend and the stories uh, that I'm going to continue with uh, are very indicative of that. And, um, Uh, so we, uh, we actually, um, we actually, you know, he dropped us off, uh, back at Dan's house and we just, like I said, we reviewed the evening and, uh, we were like, Hmm, this guy, this guy could be fun. He has a car. And, uh, uh, we started and we nicknamed him fat man. Uh, he was known as fat man. And, um, He was just this, and it wasn't because he, of a weight problem. We weren't trying to be sensitive to a weight problem that he had. But it was almost like a a superhero. You know, he couldn't be Batman. He couldn't be Superman. He he was Fat Man. And uh, it was like, I am Fat Man. I have a car. I'll take you out. I'll get you stoned. It was one of those things. But we wasn't, we weren't making fun of his weight. It was just, um, that was all, he was like basically a superhero to us. And I remember, and I always remember this, um, uh, there was a point in my life, uh, I used to play basketball at this school, uh, PS 179, which was on in Queens alongside the uh, Long Island Expressway. And there was an overpass that would take you over the Long Island Expressway. And I used to take that home. Uh, go over that overpass and that saved me, you know, it was a good 10 minute savings, uh, driving, you know, riding the bike home. And I remember one day, uh, it was a beautiful day, a beautiful summer, late afternoon. And from the overpass, uh, which was pretty high above the Long Island Expressway, I was able to see, uh, the skyline of Manhattan, but I was only able to see the uh, the Empire State Building and the World Trade Centers, and um, they were in plain sight. It was really weird that, from a from, it was about an eighteen mile distance, I was able to see the skyline. And uh, when I saw these three immense structures, I, I realized how tiny my little world was at that moment, and um, that there was this whole incredible thing going out on in the streets, you know, below that that skyline and. I felt the need uh to start hanging out in Manhattan at that time and um or for that matter anywhere besides Queens it was just it was just getting old and boring you know and it was just very serendipitous that um I now had this guy who maybe if we got comfortable with uh maybe would be able to turn me on to the streets of Manhattan especially since he works in Manhattan and uh it, it ended up becoming uh, a very, very uh a very cool thing that 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 happened for us and and uh it, it worked. We ended up having this incredible relationship. And what started to happen, which was really amazing, was um uh I hope I'm I hope I'm being somewhat co- you know, uh coherent and interesting to my listeners right now. I'm just putting this all together in my head um what started to happen was slowly but surely uh i i uh, he gained my trust, I gained his trust, and he would pick us up. This was an interesting thing. He started to come over at around three thirty in the afternoon uh four o'clock in the afternoon, I had just finished walking my dogs coming back from school, and uh, at the time, I was just living with my parents, my brother was off at college and in Long Island, way out in Long Island, uh, at Stony Brook. And um, I would, uh, he would pick us up and we would, Mark would pick us up, me, Dan, Lenny, and then all of a sudden uh, it became other people, other people started to hear about us, that we had this guy who had this incredible pot. He had this 1977 Buick Regal and he would drive, you know, drive us around. And in the middle of the afternoon, three thirty, four o'clock in the afternoon, he would, he would come out. I'd already walked my dogs. We would pick up, he'd pick me up. I'd sit in the front seat. We would get Dan, we'd get Lenny. We would get uh, whoever, another guy by the name of Howard, uh, Howard, uh, I guess I can say his last name, uh, Weinberg. Um, and we would um, go and just cruise around. We would just cruise around, get blasted out of our skulls, uh, stoned. And we would end up in Great Neck Long Island because that's where the rich girls were. And uh, I'm Jewish, I can say this, the rich Jewish girls were in in Great Neck Long Island and we would end up in Great Neck Long Island at uh, the Hagendaz dazs that had just opened and we would be get munchies. We would just eat uh, ice cream, and and then we would go to a pizza place uh, alongside Northern Boulevard, uh, and have gyro and 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 slices of pizza with this guy, and it was just insane. It was absolutely insane. Completely stoned in the afternoon, right after school, so it was really crazy. Some and what happened was he started to come to the school. Uh, sort of, this is way before uh, the days that uh, school administration people would like wonder who who is this guy in this car that uh, that's hanging out on that drag strip during the daytime um, where the students were during the lunch period. And he, you know, slowly but surely, I became, uh, for lack of a better word, I sort of became like, a little bit more popular with everybody, it's not like I wasn't relatively liked and had my friends already, but more and more people heard about this guy hanging out with us uh whatever twelve, eleven, thirty, twelve o'clock in the afternoon and just coming to the to the school to hang out, which was absurd, and we would all get stoned uh during during lunch break and then go back to class and i would sit in spanish class completely stoned and it was it was just it was it was so insane what was going on so uh we would do things like that and then that was that was huge because that had made me like a little bit of uh uh like i said my popularity increased heavily because people wanted to hang out with this guy because he had this incredible pot and he, and he had a car and all of us kids were just getting our learner's permits and all this other stuff and going to driver's ed classes and we had no access to a car. So, uh, we, enjo- you know, we enjoyed his company, but you know, he had this car and he had great pot and he was just a cool guy to hang out with. It, it was, it was so beyond ridiculous that it was, <laughs> it was just so comical, but it, 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 Changed my life, and it was very elemental in my life and my uh, growing up. And so, uh, a lot of things started happening in like uh, February of 1980, and uh, when when we started to develop a friendship, and I I sort of at this point I was trusting him. I I I I even believe it or not, I even had my uncle who was a policeman in the NYPD, I even had my uncle run his license plates. And he said to me, no, nope, he, uh, he's got nothing. There's nothing on him. Doesn't mean that he's not uh, a murderer or a serial murderer at the time, but uh, there's no, there's no, uh, nobody's looking at him. The FBI isn't looking at him and, and every, you know, he's copacetic. So we started to uh, branch out a little bit and, Uh, At the time, I didn't feel that comfortable yet hanging alone, but it was always Dan, uh, my sidekick Dan, uh, Lenny was a sidekick of mine, and uh, uh, like I said, my friend Howie, and then another guy, Tommy, and um, all these names start branching out further and exponentially and, and like a pyramid because they all hear about the guy and at, from from the high school, from hanging out at the high school, and they all want to hang out in the car, and you know, go to Great Neck, go to Roslyn, uh, Roslyn, all these places where, you know, sort of the rich people lived, and we were like the middle class Queens people, and it, it was just I- I insane, absolutely insane, and um, just uh, just crazy what how the life starts to change. So we. We start uh, finally running around with him uh, in New York. We actually he starts uh, he goes, hey, you want you guys want to go to Manhattan? And we were like, and that was a big thing. That was a really big thing for us, you know. Like, well, we're going to getting out of Queens and going to you know Manhattan with this guy. All right, let's see. And we started to go to like peep shows on Forty Second Street. But this was when Forty Second Street was like like one of the worst streets in in the country to hang out. This was like Bruce Lee movies and Kung Fu movies and Jackie Chan movies as a martial artist and uh, porn, uh, X-rated, and peep shows. And this was when Times Square was off the charts dangerous. So I was all of almost 16 years of age, and I was running around with this guy, and Dan, and Lenny, and Tommy, and Howard, and we're, and yeah, I guess we, yeah, it was me in the front, and then there was like three sometimes, yeah, three, yeah, we usually were able to sneak, get three people in the back. Four people was too much, but three people we were able to get. So it was amazing. It got to the point that there were some people that literally were bummed out that we couldn't take them that night. We had a full car, and that's what this became after a while. And slowly but surely, this changed my, my my whole life, I was able... This this changed my sex life. Uh, I actually... My, I lost my virginity because of Mark. Mark, um, uh, I guess it was uh, March or April of 1980. I was almost 16. Uh, I went outside one day to make a phone call uh, just in the middle of Greenpoint, Queens, Maspeth, Queens. And there was a girl at the phone booth. And this is in the days when you had to get out of your car to make, to put a dime in and, and make a phone call. And I made, and as I'm at the, it was like eleven twelve o'clock at night and we're looking for some place. I can't remember what we're looking for, but I'm making a phone call and this really pretty girl, um, is, is at the phone booth, you know, in the middle of nowhere in Maspeth Queens. And I said to her, uh, Hey, you know, can I, are you going to be long? And one thing led to another, and she's like, "No, no, I'm getting off the phone." Blah blah. And I make this call, and I signal to her as I'm making the call. You know, hold on a second. Don't 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 go anywhere. And um, uh, she's like, oh, "Okay, cool. Really cute girl. And I can't remember if she was with a friend or not. I know her name. I actually know her name, but I don't want to say it now. Uh, her first name is Diane, and um, Diane would become the woman that." Uh, we both divergenized de- uh uh each other um what happened was she waited for me to finish my phone call and um she was a real cute girl uh from Maspeth Greenpoint Queens and um and i cannot believe this to this day but she got in the car with mark me and three guys in the back seat and she got in the car, I guess. I had a trustworthy face. And even to this day I think I still have a trustworthy face. I was this how can I say this in the nicest way? I was just this like, you know, sort of cute guy, you know, like harmless looking guy. I was fifteen years old, fifteen and a half years old. I didn't look like you know, threatening, you know. Um and back then it was just, hey, we got some really good Acapulco gold, you wanna smoke with us, you know? And um She got in the car, I'll never forget that she got in the car and sat on my lap. She liked me and I liked her immediately and I think she felt comfortable with me. And I just, you know, I said, listen, the guy in the front seat, you know, I, I know he looks like a serial murderer, because at the time that, that everybody knew who John Wayne Gacy was. I said, I know he looks like a murderer, but trust me, he's hey, everything's cool. We're we're on the up and up, you know. And I told her I went to Francis Lewis High School and she went to Grover Cleveland and high school. I'm still trying to find her on Facebook and but I can't. I just cannot find her. And uh so one thing led to another. She gets in the car with me. And with us, and we get high with her, and um, and she, I think we ended up going, like, into Chinatown at, like, three thirty, four 4 o'clock in the morning, and we all went for some woe hops, Chinatown on Mott Street for some late-night Chinese food, and took her out, and then we drove her back to, to Maspeth, Queens, to her, her home. And uh, she became my uh, my girlfriend for a while, which was really crazy, <laughs> just really crazy. But that's what happened. And we used to go. Diane would come over to my house in the afternoon, and with a friend of hers. And I ended up setting uh, Dan or Lenny up. I think it was Dan up with a friend of hers that used to come over. And we would. My parents were at work, and I would just cut school, uh, smoke. And we would just have sex in the afternoon, it was crazy. I was 15 and a half years old. And then even if my parents were home, I would take her in the backyard where I grew up, this like community backyard. It wasn't a singular family backyard, it was a community backyard. And we would go in my father's station wagon and have sex in the backyard. It was just, I'm laughing, I, I hope you guys are laughing too uh but it's just i 'm just laughing at the absurdity of it, and we were just completely stoned and um and these are the days in which i I had a walker to the bus stop kind of thing to take the q eighty eight back home for you know so different times back then. there was no uber there was none of that but we uh we had some really really uh amazing times um and 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 Mark was the conduit for that. And, uh, let's see, we got 15 minutes left to go on this one. Um, so I have this little relationship going with this girl, Diane. Uh, I have a pretty booming social life going, even though we're in wintertime of 1980 and, uh, you know, the weather in New York sucks and everything. And, you know, all you do is, you know, just, uh, Uh, get stoned and go to the movies or get stoned and drive around you know Uh, that's really what it was that that's really what it was occasionally I'd go out to Long Island and visit my brother at Stony Brook and uh, I was almost 16 and um, his suite mates and roommates and people on his dormitory floor they would get me stoned I'd go out there for the weekend Friday, Friday Saturday and come home Sunday late afternoon and I would uh, just hang out with my brother and his friends, who uh, I still know to this day, forty, forty-three years later, and uh, uh, forty-two years later. And um, matter of fact, we're all meeting for my brother's, God willing, my brother's sixtieth birthday in the Hamptons in the summer. So uh, his friends from uh, Stony Brook uh, are gonna have his sixtieth out there. So it's just amazing how how you know all this stuff you know goes full circle, circle but so at this point february of 80 um i'm still a horrible student i got two years to go before i graduate uh my life is all about getting stoned um uh, listening to hendrix pink floyd uh pink floyd the wall uh pink floyd animals pink floyd wish you were here anything that that that, that was you know trippy kind of music and uh and it was just crazy. It was just a crazy time. And also at the time, at that time, another person who, um, I'll keep, uh, I would definitely keep his name, uh, uh, I guess, uh, not divulged. Um, but there was a neighbor of mine growing up, uh, on the street. He was uh, newlywed. He was, uh, originally from Long Island, and he took a job with a company and moved in uh, about 10, 10 apartment, uh, apartments down from me. And uh, Dan was his newspaper boy. Dan was a uh, uh, delivered the New York Post or the Newsday, I think it was the Newsday, and I delivered the New York Post. Uh, by the way, I was a paper boy also. I had a paper route in the daytime, and, um, which took about 45 minutes of my day to uh, deliver 35, 40 papers. So, um, Dan tells me one day, and this is just about the time that we were all hanging out with uh, Mark, but Mark was, you know, sort of occasional at that point. Um, uh, relationship with Mark gets a little thicker mm-hmm. later on. Um, but uh, Dan one day said to me, hey man, uh, you know, take a walk with me over to this guy's uh, house. I'm going to call this guy Gary and, uh, that's not his real name, but, uh, he ended up becoming a big shot in a big company, and I don't want to say anything, but, um, Gary was married, um, to this, to this girl, and, uh, he said to me, Dan says to me, take a walk with me over to this guy, uh, he owes me some money for the newspaper for a couple of weeks, so I, I go, yeah, I'll take a walk, and, uh, he said to me, as we were walking, he goes, this guy's pretty cool. He's uh, about 23, so which about seven years, eight years older than us. And he goes, really cool. The last time I went to collect money from him, uh, he asked me if I wanted to come in and get stoned. And I was like, and, and this is this is what it was all about back then. This was, this was a different time, folks. Uh, they didn't run an FBI profile on somebody, and federal agents didn't blast down the door back then when a 23-year-old... Uh, person um, uh, uh, asked you to come in. Asked a minor to come in and get stoned. So uh, it's just a different ball game uh, now. It was a whole different thing back, but but it was fun and we had a blast. And so sure enough, we went back uh, back, back to this. We went to this guy's house and uh, to this guy's apartment, and he was a really really cool guy. We had a blast. And uh, I, you know, he asked me if I live in the, you know, in development. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm about ten apartments down from you. And uh, next thing you know, we're, you know, we're Dan and I are sort of reading this guy's energy, and it's totally cool. And we're talking football and sports and all this stuff and blah blah blah. So we were like, yeah, this guy's on the level. So we went back into his into his house, into his apartment, and we got stoned, and we had another crazy, crazy friend that was eight years older than us now. And this was going to become something also that we hang out at all the time. So um, it was just really an interesting, interesting time period. Um, My, my, the eighties, my early childhood was just absolutely off the charts because I don't know too many people who had this kind of thing where they had this 31 year old man driving them around all over Uh, the tri-state area, which that's what it becomes. And I will continue these stories, even though we only have 10 minutes left to go in this. But you will be hearing more stories. Uh, I'm just trying to sort of give you the uh, introduction to the relationship. Um, And then I have this other guy, and, and, uh, his wife and, and neighbors at the time that would come over and we would all get stoned and watch TV, or we would play football on the lawn, completely stoned. It was, it was, it was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, school was never something I thought about. Uh, I come home stoned and, and do my algebra homework and, um, trigonometry or whatever it was and uh it was it was just ridiculous and my parents never basically knew where I was uh and (laughs) it was just so different than what it what what it is now so and I'm still friends with uh with that with that guy that uh uh with Gary and um it's just a very interesting uh uh childhood so getting back to uh to to Mark because uh uh that was that was that was a different situation because that was a mobile situation it was a, i was able to 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 go places with this guy um i didn't do that with dan's uh um, newspaper client uh delivery client we didn't have that kind of relationship. It was more like, Hey, let's just, you know, Hey, we're coming home from shooting hoops. So let's go over to so-and-so's apartment and, uh, smoke a bowl or something. That That's what it was really. Uh, but we ended up becoming great friends as well. But Mark was a different situation, uh, quote unquote, the fat man. That was a totally different situation. That was, that was a guy that would end up showing me, um, the Hamptons at age fifteen and a half and a half that I never saw. He would show me uh, uh, Connecticut, Bridgeport Highly, um, uh, the Jersey Shore, which we're going to tell. I'm going to tell you guys a great story um, uh, about Springsteen and the Jersey Shore in, uh, in, uh, in late 1980. And uh, uh, little things like that. But at that, this point... Uh, we have this amazing relationship going on. And, um, like I said, my popularity in school, uh, definitely blossomed with all these people that were like, Hey man, we hear about this guy that you hang with and he drives you into Manhattan and you, got, you go to peep shows and, uh, <laughs> and Times Square and, Uh, you drive around all night in in Manhattan, any chance I could go. It was just really, really crazy. It was almost like selling tickets, like people with that, people with that bored with their lives, which was basically, you know, that's what you did in Queens. Um, You, you know, started a a, a garbage, you know, garbage pail fire uh, in a park. And then you, you know, on a Friday and Saturday night, And then you, you know, got stoned. You 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 figured out a way to get somebody to buy you a case of Budweiser, and somebody had a a boombox, and you you listened to Leonard Skinner and and Neil Young and and uh, oh excuse me and Springsteen and uh, Rolling Stones and the Who and and uh, uh, the Doors, and that's what you did and Zeppelin and that's and Aerosmith. I can keep going on, and of course, yeah, I said Pink Floyd. And that's what you did. That was that was a Saturday, Friday and Saturday night, and and you know, and then you did that at Alley Pond Park, Cunningham Park. Uh, I hope my New York listeners know what I'm talking about. And you did that at, on the side of Francis Lewis High School. Um, cops were relatively cool back then. They knew, you know, these guys are peaceful. They're not looking for any problems. We're playing frisbee frisbee football. And we 're all getting stoned doing it, and so cops looked the other way back then. It was a very, very different ball game back then. I mean, we believe me, we had cops that would come over, and they knew what we were doing, but they you know these guys aren't bothering anybody. That was the theory back then. Yeah these kids aren't bothering anybody; they're good kids, they're just trying to have some fun, and that was what it was. We were just bored, but my life had changed because I had this guy that was able to to take me. Any, you know, hey, you want to go to, uh, you want to go see Dr. J in Philadelphia? Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's only, that's like a two and a half, three hour drive. Yeah, we could do it. You know, I mean, it was just ridiculous. Hey, you want to go see uh, this concert? Yeah, yeah, we could do it. No problem. We could go see, uh, we could go see Bruce. Um, Hey, you want to go see, I mean, that's really what it became. And it was just, uh, it was just a crazy time period for me because like I said, the people I knew from, from school were literally staying, you know, at the park, the guys I knew from school and the girls I knew from school, their Fridays and Saturdays were hanging out at, uh, I think there was a thing called Eutectic Avenue or something where people hung out. Uh, I think it was a staple company or something like that, or a typewriter ribbon company, um, that had like an area that you can hang out. Uh, not that you can, but everybody did late at night. And most of my friends, people I knew from school, that's what their Friday and Saturday nights were. And I am uh, sneaking into Bridgeport Highlight in Connecticut uh, uh, with this guy and and Dan and Len and Tom uh, and or Howard Um it, it was mind-boggling. It was not to be believed uh, how how insane it was, and and going to Chinese food at three three o'clock in the morning. And this is also a true story. We actually I I don't know how many people can say this, but we actually got high with the with the waiters in a Chinese restaurant in Manhattan. That's how crazy it was back then it was about three o'clock in the morning we went to this chinese restaurant in manhattan and um i don't know how i I must have been on another planet back then but i lit up a joint at the table and this was like an all-night chinese restaurant place i think they closed at like 7 a.m for an hour to clean and then started up at nine or eight o'clock whatever and um i lit up a joint and the next thing you know the waiter is taking the order And I thought he was going to say, put that down, you know, that kind of thing. And next thing you know, put that out, put that out, you crazy. Next thing you know, the waiter's like, give me that. And he takes a hit. It was just the things that were going on were just, they were out of control. It was so out of control. And like I said, my parents basically got a call going, uh, yeah, I'm all right, go to sleep. That kind of thing. It was like, I'm all right, go to sleep. I'll, I'll catch you guys tomorrow. And it was, I mean, I was 15 years old, and I was coming home 4, 5, 6 o'clock in the morning. I had a friend named Jerry also that would come with us in the car, and he was another guy that, you know, liked to get stoned. And I mean, that's what we did. It was just, it was such a great time. I miss those days so much, so much. And I've often had therapy sessions with my therapist in which I would say, I'm still stuck at 16. Because I feel stuck at sixteen, because I had such a great time at that time, and uh, we have a minute and a half left on this. Um, so just to recap, and then I'm gonna, I'll start the next, uh, the next podcast, and I'm gonna deliver them to you. And We got lots more to talk about with Mark. I have college years to talk about. I have so much more to talk about with you guys. And now I'm really excited that I got back into this, because I'm, I'm literally seeing all this now as I'm talking to you guys. So I hope I'm not boring you, um, have one more minute to go. And, uh, I just, uh, it, it was a very interesting time. And, um, uh, uh, we would, we would play basketball in, in, and pitch black, uh, darkness, uh, completely stoned. And Mark was, I told you, a, a brilliant basketball coach. So he would just uh, play defense on me, and and he would just totally get into my head. And uh, it was just, it was insane. We'd be completely wasted and just having a blast. And I'm going to be leaving you with this because we're uh, getting to that point. Uh, we got a lot more to talk about. We've got 1980 to talk about. We've got, um, that's a big year for Springsteen with the River album. And I hope you stay with me, and I'm going to try and stay with you guys. And I wish you all the best. Okay, feel good. We will talk.